this is where the chest burster comes out. Comes out my bum. Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Tom and as one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Dom. Say hello, mate. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. And we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective of some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis and behind the scenes trivia. This week, we finish another short grand rewatch by watching the brand new 2019 movie Pet Cemetery, starring Jason Clarke, Amy Simetz, John Lithgow and Jate Lawrence. First of all, we're going to have to do another spoiler. Yeah, we have spoiler yeah. non spoiler. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Because without spoiling it, there's spoilers. Yeah, the spoilers. Like and we and we bloody we have said from day 1 how annoyed we were because we felt like we watched the whole movie in the trailer. Yep. And yet somehow they still managed to do it. They still managed to keep us guessing and we both like the, the ending got us going shit. Even though we knew exactly what we thought, we knew what exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, like exactly how everything was going to play out. They still managed to keep us, like, yep, still managed to keep us on the line till right to the very last second. I think that is the greatest achievement of this film. Yeah, by far, is the fact that we reacted the way we did in certain. I think the biggest sort of indication of that is there's a scene right in the middle where it's the accident, basically, yeah. which we all know what happens in the book and in the previous film. As an accident involving a truck and a child, put it that way. Yeah, but in the cinema, we both reacted to it. In the cinema, we were like, oh shit, oh no! Even though yeah. we knew exactly what was going to happen because we saw the trailer. Yeah, like even though because they'd set up the characters well enough for us to care. Yeah, and they just yeah they 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 did they they pretty much nailed it. I think. I mean, yeah, I I completely agree. Um, so before we get any further. Can you just tell me your two cents, really? I'm struggling to do that without getting into spoilers in a similar okay. way to us. But my two cents was just like, yeah, I, I was amazed how much I was engaged in it and like and bought into it, even though we felt like there were times towards the beginning where I felt like, yeah, yeah, we know all this. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And then, but then the second, the sort of back half of it, Started taking some turns and twists and think and doing things that I wasn't expecting, but the main thing I think was just that it really got me invested in it and they built the characters well and the it, I thought it was really well directed and the yeah like the imagery and stuff of some of the the dreams that they had both yeah and they they managed to split the focus as well quite well I thought between Lewis and Rachel yeah which is something the first. The original movie never did. No. Um, in this one, they gave Rachel quite a lot of time and actually sort of got into her. They really fleshed her out a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and th- by doing that, they did change like the narrative of what happened because a lot of Rachel's stories to do what to do with what happened to her sister. Yeah, absolutely. And they changed that to a certain extent, but in a really <laughs> um, effective way. Not to spoil anything. But they they changed it in a really effective way that allowed them to do some really cool things. Yeah, so I would agree. Like my immediate takeaway from this film was that I really enjoyed it. Yeah, especially um, as somebody that's read the book, listened to the audio book, watched the film, watched the sequel, then watched the remake. Mm. This is like almost this film is almost made for this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly there are sequels, for. prequels, and remakes and reboots and adaptations <laughs> of books. Do you know yeah, I mean? it, it's it's been is by no, like somehow they've managed to make an original thing out of something that's been done like been done. Yeah, do you know what I mean? which is amazing. And that's the thing, like the success of this, in my opinion. Like I know it hasn't been like critically loved, uh, but it's getting well, it's getting like middling, like middling, six to yeah. eight reviews. But I give it a lot more credit <laughs> because mm. having watched the two abominations that we did last week. Yeah, absolutely. And then watching this now and getting in on it is just, yeah, it's just completely transformed the saga back to being very close to the original for me. Yeah, it's close, but it also feels like, yeah, they've, they've done their own thing to it. I think the, the best sort of analogy I can make of it is like, it's a really good cover version of a song that you love. Yeah. It's like, to me, it's like Jimi Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. Yeah. It's, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's something, it's taken something 
that was one thing and made it his own and done mm-hmm. his own thing with it, but it's still recognisably the same yeah. as before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I Just the performances and the, and the way they shape it and like the, everything just feels so much more real yeah. and relatable, particularly like everything between um, Lewis and Judd. Yeah. I thought was done really well. And yeah. there was a bit of... They weren't just best friends immediately. Yeah. And there is a bit of animosity there and a bit of tension between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was done really well, mainly because of the cast, because of Jason Clark and John Lithgow. Both can act. And they're both fucking brilliant in this. Yeah. They're absolutely brilliant in it. And there's like... I mean, there are moments... There's one particular moment I'm thinking of at a funeral where they just exchange a look. Yeah. And there's so much in that look. Yeah. Absolutely, and and it's, and it's because of by the casting them and getting real actors rather than wherever the fuck those people were in the first one, <laughs> Dale Midkiff or whatever his name was, Dale Midkiff. Yeah, that's the difference. That is the the actual palpable difference of it, mm-hmm. and it means everything. You feel everything that much more, um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it was really good. But yeah, and that that's the thing. Like you look at the cast, so we've got, I would say four sort of leads almost mm. with Jason Clark being the protagonist really. Yeah. Yeah. Then but his performance throughout the whole thing actually shows him as a caring dad. Yeah. And as a doctor. Yeah. And as somebody that's having questions about being in this place and has he done the right thing and is he being a good parent and there's so much more that comes out of this rather than just spewing what was in a book onto a screenplay yeah. and then throwing that up onto a screen with people that can't really act. Yeah, it's like they, they actually take the time to sort of set up the mundane elements of it, if you like. Yeah. Where like. So it's his family, not both his daughter and his wife said to him, we want to go home. And then just the pressure he's under to try and make them happy. Yeah. Because he knows that they, he's just relocated his entire life out here he had to do it, and then now they're saying no, I'm not happy, and just the the sort of stress that puts him under. He's a re- but that is like a very relatable thing. Now, there are plenty of people who are watching this film who've done similar things. Yeah, they've had to move for jobs, and then they've got to think about the families and relocating and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which then means that when the supernatural crazy shit happens later on, you're that much more tuned into the characters, and it all yeah. makes a lot more sense. Well, one thing that I want to sort of really sort of get into mm. is. So obviously, so we explained last week, we gave a full spoiler rundown of what happens in the film. Mm-hmm. And there is the whole family dynamic there. One of the things that we did complain about was the kids who played Ellie. Yeah, she was awful. It was, there was two, actually. Oh, there was I the, found the twins so, Yeah, so it's twins played <clears throat> Ellie in the last one and yeah. twins played Gage in this one. Yeah, that's quite a common thing for most yeah. child actors because they're only allowed to... Um, work a certain number of hours per day. Yeah. So a lot of the time when they're casting young kids, they all cast twins so that they can swap them out. Yeah. And then none, of, not one of them is ever working for a full eight hour day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I can see where you're going. Yeah. And in in this, Ellie is Ellie is a much bigger character in this film yeah. as well. She's a really really important part of the story in the book. But in this, there is. And if you've seen the trailers, you'll probably see that there is... Well, we won't get into too much of it now, but there's a slight change to the status quo of how this film works. Yeah. But the the way that the narrative leads you into getting to know each person is really, really poignant with Ellie in this. Because when you read the book, you understand why Ellie's um, frightened for a cat to die. You understand that she... Yeah, she is very, very afraid of death. She's not aware of it, so she's very con- confused by a lot of these things. And when it all comes down to it, there are these supernatural things that start occurring that she's really uncomfortable with. That still happens in this film. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's just it's just fucking brilliantly delivered. Yeah. Whereas, And I'm not being nasty to the, the children that played <laughs> Ellie last time, but they just weren't actors. No. No, they were they, just just wailing squawk boxes to scream and yell about something yeah. that would lead the parents to have a conversation. Yeah, I think the performance of Ellie in this one is really good. Yeah, like for a, for a kid actor, I think she's definitely up there with like all the kids from it. Yeah, and that she's on that level, and that's because I think part of the reason is they they cast her older than she would usually be. I think in the original yeah. sort of book and the, the original film, she's more like six or she's like five or six. Five or six. In this, she's nine. Yeah. 
and that allows it to be that much more that she has much more of a character when you when you start to become yeah. a real sort of person with their own personality you know yeah. when, when kids are starting to become who they're going to be for the rest of their lives kind of thing mm-hmm. um but also <clears> there are like there are really endearing traits to her as well that are sort of deliberately laid in like there's a cute joke when she's at halloween when she puts a spell on says, I'm going to put a spell on you to Jard and yeah. Lewis. And then there's the scene when she takes cookies over to Jard. Yeah, that's something they did really well as well. They t- they played up the relationship between Jard and her. Yeah. And he, then they managed to get... They, he gets that line where it's, you know, she touched me. She has sort of touched me in a way that... Touched my heart. Touched my heart in a way. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm very careful with how I phrase this. <clears throat> You know what? No one has because in this again, they they never had Norma in it again. No, which I don't think is a spoiler. No. Um, but that's interesting that we've had two adaptations now. And both of them have decided to not have Judd's wife be a character in the movie. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why that is really. I mean, she, I think it's to save screen time. I guess this so. film's what like an hour and forty minutes. Don't know. It did feel quite quick. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel rushed. No. It felt there. It ran at a pace consistently throughout. Mm. Um, but yeah, going back to the sort of the characterizations, like Judd. Look, I, John Lithgow. John Lithgow, right? John Lithgow's perfect. He's, <laughs> he's perfect. Like, and when I was reading that, because I'd already seen the trailer and knew about this before I read the book. So when I was reading the book, Judd in my head was John Lithgow. Yeah, and I, I stand by that. Yeah. He, he, he nailed it. Even with the with the limited screen time and stuff, that that's the thing. By casting actors this good, they can do so much with so little. Yeah. Because he like in terms of the amount of screen time he gives, he doesn't. There's not like a big monologue he gives or anything like that. But it's in the small moments that he has with Lewis, where he the guilt that he feels about yeah what he's done and showing him it and wishing that he hadn't. But he can communicate that very quickly and and well because it's John Lithgow and John Lithgow yeah. is fucking brilliant. And of course, he knows who Winston Churchill is. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a little. Um, they couldn't help themselves, could they? Throwback to the point that we raised last week. So yes, if anyone's listening, he does make a specific reference to knowing who Winston Churchill is, and pretty much, ding, winks to the camera as he does so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is. Well, John Lithgow is consistently great in everything that I've seen him in. Maybe not that climbing movie that he was in with Sylvester Stallone, but still he's probably one of the best things in that film. Mm. But yeah, like you say, the way that he delivers things and when he talks about the guilt that he feels about telling, telling Lewis about the, the, the other, the burial ground rather than the cemetery Mm. was really interesting because in the book, as you well know, but for readers, he, in the in in the in the novel, he doesn't really explain it that well. He sort of alludes to the fact that it was this other force that took him over, yeah, and that he doesn't know why he did it, and it just it took a hold of him and just made him do it. Whereas in this, he gets quite emotional. He says, "I wish I never did this to you. I wish I never brought. I, I wish I never told you about the burial ground, so he would take church up mm. there." Yeah, and it's the stat tiny thing there rather than have a moment where he sat drunk at a table again mm. in the book and saying oh you know I didn't know why I did it it's got a way of getting into your soul and I just the next thing I know I was up there they explain it in a way yeah, in a, a much better way that's the thing it. and it's what I love about it as well it's like that they there are lines that are lifted directly from the book again like it's a weird thing because although it's com- like the back end of it is completely different the, the a lot of it in terms of the characterization and the and the mythology of it, I guess, is more faithful yeah. than the nineteen eighty nine version. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a better he's a closer version of Judd in this version than he was in the last version, even though the last version was written by Stephen King. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's really weird. Yeah, it's um, really it's really, really odd. Um and the same with so yeah, same with Lewis as well. He's got that that include that like he they mentioned at one point. You, you know, this isn't going to make sense to your rational doctor's mind. Yeah, but this is what it is. And I think yeah, Jason Clark. I've always rated him. I think he's a really underrated actor. To be mm-hmm. fair, and in everything he's in, he's great. And this is another one. It's not a particularly showy performance. No, it's just solid. 
It's, it's just absolutely rock solid and does exactly what it needs to do. Yeah. And hits every beat. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to win any awards for this. No. But at the same time, he does exactly what he needs to do with the source material and expresses it really well. True, but I, I feel, I think that speaks to me like in terms of him as an actor. I respect that more because I can imagine someone like Christian Bale in this mm-hmm. role really going for it yeah. and really going over the top. And really like, give me an Oscar! Yeah! yeah. Like that. Whereas Jason Clark has got that understatement, mm-hmm. but it's so much more real. Yeah. And so much more powerful in that way, I think. Like an everyman. Sort exactly. Of. That's And that's what makes him so good. And that's why, yeah, he should be in more stuff. Um, <laughs> um, Reed Richards. Reed Richards. I was <laughs> Damn it! Oh. it. But yeah, I think he's he was he was great in this. In the way that he moves, he sort of flows between these sort of two different, not worlds, but two different thought processes that's happening that you can see there's this gradual decline in his sort of mental stability. Mm. But um, yeah, all in all, it's great. I mean, it's probably not the, the best horror film that I've seen in the last few years. I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. I think I liked Hereditary more. I still haven't seen that yet. I need to and, watch it. Um, it comes at night is another one, mm. but that's that's another one that sort of plays with your emotions a bit mm. and sort of makes you question your own well sanity whilst you're mm. watching it. I think but I still put it up there. It's genuinely one of the one of the better horror films that I've seen. In see, years. I I almost think I don't even think of it as a horror film and compare it to other horror films. My thing to compare it to is Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. So where's it stand amongst them? Where's it, where's it stand alongside it from 2017? Where's it stand yeah. alongside some of the you know, does it hold up to that sort of standard? Yeah, I a- think. Uh, well, I was literally thinking about it in the cinema. I prefer it, mm. um, but this is a very close second. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a, it's a worthy Stephen King. It's in the upper echelon of Stephen King yeah. adaptations because. From from a horror standpoint, because you are we are still looking at films like The Green Mile, Stand by Me, etc. Well, not even that. I do, yeah, I think the thing about Stephen King adaptations is that although there are yeah, this Pet Cemetery and it can be classed as horror movies. Mm. They're dramas, and they're meant they're meant to be about they're horror movies about a a thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So the point of Pet Cemetery, like we've talked about before, is it's about mortality. Yeah, and then the horror that comes, and yeah. there's a horror story built around that, but it's about people coming to terms with mortality and death. Yeah, and it's which, the same yeah. in, in the same principle that we're going to get back to it later in the year, and we'll really go hard into the analysis on it. But it is about sort of maturity and finding yourself yeah. and addressing the past. Yeah, and, and, but, and and your future as well, and like familial relationships. Yeah, and there are themes like that in some of the other Stephen King works, things like you know. Uh, Shawshank Redemption and mm-hmm. all the rest of it, which I think, when you talk about them in terms of horror films, it does make them sort of stand out. Yeah, they do. They are in their own little subgenre mm-hmm. um, because they're, yeah. Anyway, that's besides yeah. the point. We're getting well, not deep. really because you know we are. Oh, hang on. Um, because we are looking at Stephen King films. We are looking at how they're going to be doing further back as well. Mm. I'm just let me just bring up a list of. So, Jesus, fuck. What? You just forget how fucking prolific this guy is. So, starting in 1976 with Carrie. Yeah. The Shining, Creepshow, Cujo, The Dead Zone, Christine, Children of the Corn, Firestarter, Cat's Eye, Silver Bullet, Maximum Overdrive, Stand By Me, Creepshow 2, Lawnmower Man, uh, Return to Salem's Lot, The Running Man, Pet Cemetery, Tales from the Dark Side, Graveyard Shift, Misery, Lawnmower Man, Sleepwalkers, Pet Cemetery 2, Children of the Corn 2, The Dark Half, Needful Things, The Shawshank Redemption, The Mangler, Dolores Claiborne, Children of the Corn 3, Lawnmower Man 2, Sometimes They Come Back Again, Children of the Corn 4, Thinner, The Night Flyer, Children of the Corn 5, Apt Pupil, Sometimes They Come Back For More, The Rage, Carry 2, Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return, the Green Mile, Hearts in Atlantis, Children of the Corn, Revelation. What the fuck is this Children of the Corn? Bullshit? The Mangler 2, Firestarter, Rekindled, Carry <coughs> again, Dreamcatcher, Secret Window, Riding the Bullet, The Mangler Reborn, Creepshow 3, 1408, The Mist, No Smoking, Dolan's Cadillac, The Boogeyman, Children of the Corn, Genesis, Carry again, 
A Good Marriage, Mercy, Cell, The Dark Tower, It, Gerald's Game, 1922, Children of the Corn, Runaway, Pet Cemetery, It Chapter 2, In the Tall Grass, Doctor Sleep, The Breathing Method. Some of those are upcoming, but Jesus fuck, this guy's got some films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not even to mention, I mean, there's, and that's just films. There's also TV. Yeah. So there's like, they did that. What was the one with James Franco where it was about um, 14, no, not 1408. Oh, 11-22-63. Yeah, so it's about the time travel thing. With, yeah. yeah, so there's that. There's Castle Rock, mm-hmm. which we both love, which is not even based on a... That's just based on the king of verse. Yeah. Like, in a weird way. And then now they're doing a new adaptation of The Dark Tower in TV. Yeah. Which they always should have done in the first place, but that's besides the point. Anyway, we'll get to that another day. We'll do an editorial episode on that. What, on The Dark Tower? Yeah. <sighs> because what we've also got to address is that both Hearts in Atlantis, Insomnia... And eleven twenty two sixty three have links to the Dark Tower. God damn it! Yeah, and some of them, I'm looking at you, Insomnia, are a fucking slog. Um, but anyway, but yeah, he's so prolific. And then, but when you get something like this that comes out of it, mm. you're like, this is right up there. Yeah, but again, it's it's not beholden to the source material. Yeah. Um. For better or worse. Yeah. Um, For which I think... So, to sort of wrap up our pre-spoiler section, mm. I'm going to say I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. If you're going to go go and see it, go and see it with an open mind. And if... Yeah. And then, yeah, just let us know what you think afterwards. Also, Church is a creepy motherfucker. Yeah, spooky-ass cat. Spooky cat. Proper spooky cat this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't feel cheap. No. Felt... Real scoop. The last one was really cute as well. This one's really spooky. Yeah. It's got that squinty eye. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, cool. Right. So, shall we um, move it into spoilers? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Fuck. Spoilers. Okay, so I'm just gonna say three words. Yeah, three of my favorite words to say in a film. Bad guy wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, now, yeah, I get that. My the thing I'm struggling with, I guess, with the ending is I'm not quite sure what the motivation is in terms of. I get why Ellie wants to, or sorry, no, zombie Ellie. So obviously the spoilers. Ellie comes back. Yeah. yeah Ellie, okay. Ellie's, Ellie's the one who dies, yeah. which we kind of knew from the trailer, and then she comes back, and she's around for a lot longer than in the, yeah. in the, in the original. Like It's like one night, he goes cra- the gauge goes crazy, and then that's it. In this, she's back for a bit, and that's done really effectively. And yeah. the performance from the little girl is amazing, and the makeup job they do on her, and all, the rap, all that sort of stuff. It's fucking amazing. And then they have this whole scene where she attacks and kills her mum. What I don't get, and I don't think they did a particularly good job of explaining, is why she then decided to bring her mum back. And why they then subsequently went on to bring the dad back. Because that's the whole thing. I get the the people who get brought back by the Pet cemetery are vengeful and they go after people. So like it's Mm -hmm. because of the sins they committed. So like he she went after Judd because of he wasn't good to his wife or something was the implication. Yeah. She went after the mum because she pre- she had prayed for her sister to die. She knows that because she's been to the other side. That makes sense. Okay, why bring them back? Well, is that so other than the, to be a zombie family and have that be a cool thing at the well, end? Because you know what, what they said was by um, they were saying about bringing back um, Judd's wife. Mm. They said you didn't bring them back. You put them in the bad place by bringing them back. You damned them. Not mm. like not exact words, but basically saying by bringing them back, you put them in a worse place mm. because it wasn't entirely Ellie, but it was part of Ellie. Yeah, and that when and then there was the illusion because they were saying about something bad being done to John's wife. Mm. I took that as he brought her back and then had to re-kill her. Okay. So what I was thinking was that it was. So when Ellie dies, she goes after her mum. She goes after Rachel, first of all, Mm. because of what happened. She prayed for her sister to die. 
and because of what happens, which we'll get to in a minute, about the change in narrative of Rachel's backstory as well. Mm. But also, and then they went after the dad because he put them there, so he's going to burn as well. Yeah. So they're all going to burn together. Right. That's how I took it, is that they were all going to burn as a family. Yeah, like, that's the thing, like, okay... I don't know, like killing the why killing them isn't enough. What's the what was the because they would go to the better place. If you just die, you just die, and then but then yeah. but like but she by, said, your wife's in hell, and then was that what she's in hell because he brought her because back? Because he brought her back. That's the only reason. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's no. Nah, all right. That's a good interpretation of it. Then I never. I didn't think of that. Yeah. That's I just, that's what I didn't get. I just the feeling that he gave me towards the thinking about the ending was that. They got to the point after Ellie killed the mum, yeah, and then I feel like there may have been like a few different like with a, as is often the case with horror movies, there are a couple of different alternate endings, yeah, and I feel like they played around with different ones, and this just happened to be the one that tested best with audiences, yeah. So I like mean, the, the shot of her dragging her mum through the woods, I'm just like, why though? Do you know what I mean? Like having just given that whole big speech about why you're killing her and how oh, you'll be with. You'll be with your daughter soon, Ellie. You'll be with her soon, and then kill yeah. her, and then no, you're not, because I'm gonna bring you back. Which well, that's not her back, is it? That's this. That's the Wendigo. Yeah, that's got control of her body and part of. So the idea so they 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 burned they they're they're damning their souls. Yeah, by bringing them back, right. which is why it's so bad to take them to the pet cemetery. Right. Or, or to take them to the burial ground, right? <clears throat> is one of the reasons why they come back and they're so vengeful is because they know that they're they're part of them that still is themselves. Yeah, is aware that the rest of their soul is just burning. Yeah, and that was <clears throat> that was done really effectively. Like the the scenes with Ellie, like when she's talking to her dad. I said, like, I remember being in the road, and then everything went black. I'm dead, aren't I? Yeah. And it's just like. Fuck, and then yeah. and then again, they it's a scene that would never we never got to see or never had to happen in the original versions of it, even in the book, where the resurrected child is presented to the mother. Yeah, and you're like, there you go, I brought her back. And you go, what? What, what? what do you mean you brought her back? Yeah, and that, and that like. And that is was acted very very well. I thought, and especially and, in this, it was horrifying. And it was just yeah, and it was done, and that was another instance of them adding something to the narrative that wasn't there before, and it paid off to great effect. It's yeah. something that we never got to see before, and this time we do get to see it, and it's fucking brilliant. Mm. She hugs her, <laughs> like creepy Ellie. Like I did just when they were like panning out, and she's got that like one eye like poking off in one direction. I just I I physically went ah yeah. in the cinema. I, was I like, saw it. I was like no nah, nah, no no you no had no. Some fairly visceral reactions. To yeah, this there was film. a few. And the, well, I think the biggest one for us was yeah when they when the um they the fake out that they did with the fucking truck oh, was amazing because you and I yeah. were both go, oh, no because basically what they do is they have Ellie's in the road with the with church mm. and then Gage starts running to the road to try and get Ellie. And Lewis sees him, starts running after him, which is like exactly as it plays out in the book, in the previous versions. Lewis running after Gage, and with and for a split second, I was like, "Oh my god, are they going to kill both the kids?" That's what and I the, thought as well. I was like, "Shit, are they going to kill both of them?" Fuck. And then and then he catches him, and then I was like, "Oh god, no!" It's like this is it's like because the, the whole point of Pet Seven, the whole reason it happened is because this is something that almost happened to Stephen King. Yeah. It, and like and then he has that prophetic dream about what if I just caught him. Yeah, and then he goes on to be a swimmer and all the rest. Of it. So in this, it's like, no, you did catch him, but your daughter was down the other end of the road. Yeah, fuck. It's <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I was like, have we been massively faked out here? Oh, it would be amazing, then, wouldn't it? And then because we were complaining, we were saying that we've seen everything in the trailer. We don't know how this film's going to act out. When we went to see other films, the trailer would come up and we'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, yeah, I've seen it all now. Yeah, but seeing it in this sense completely brought me back into the film. Yeah. Because the bit where you see her go church and then she goes up to the road. Yeah. You go, right, I've seen this bit. And then you start seeing Gage and you're like, mm, okay. Well, yeah, okay, this is just a shot of a kid just hiding as well. 
and then he starts running. You're like, no, 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 no. And they, but they immediately like everything about it is so much better. It's the staging and everything makes mm-hmm. it so much more believable. Like the way the um, the road and everything works, there's a lot of foliage and stuff, so they wouldn't see a truck coming from a mile away. Yeah, like they would in the original one, where there's no trees whatsoever. No, and you can see clearly there's a truck. Like from the from it comes over the horizon, you've got a good twenty minutes before yeah. it comes. In. <laughs> also, like in the previous one, the the truck comes comes over the top of a hill, yeah, which is quite far away. So you can see that fucking thing from miles away. Yeah. In this, it comes up from underneath a hill. Yeah. So it comes as if where they are is on the on the summit of the hill. Yeah. So by flipping that perspective, the the trucks come out in so much more of a surprise fashion. Yeah. And it's surrounded by wooded areas, so it's going to absorb the sound. And it's... Yeah. It's so much more effective. Yeah, definitely. And when you see the truck pull to the side, there is that split-second hope, and you're like, oh, okay, this is different. And then the and then the trailer comes off, yeah, and you're like... So it keeps... It? Yeah. <clears throat> so this whole scene... What I'm saying is that it, it, this whole scene really keeps you guessing the whole way, mm. which is, I think, like a masterful way of doing it from trying to show this much in the trailer and thinking, I know where this is going to go and having read the book, so understanding where this is going to go. But having that slight change to yeah. the narrative really, really made it so much yeah. more impressive. And there were, there were a few instances of that. I, I, I thought they worked really well, like... The other bit that I really liked, which was the change, which was when... So basically, obviously, it plays out, Ellie dies, and then they have the whole thing where Lewis starts thinking about bringing her back. Yeah. And they have him and Judd exchange that look at the graveside, which was great. But then they have the scene later where the family's gone away, and Lewis goes over to see Judd, and he slips something in his drink to put him to sleep so that he won't stop him. Because they've got that shared understanding of, you know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do, and I know you're going to try and stop me. Yeah. So I'm going to and and but like that, it does it mean it makes Lewis a slight a less sympathetic character. Yeah. Because it's quite it's a hard he's drugging an old man at the end of the day. Um, but also, that scene as well when John Lithgow says, "Lewis, I'm glad you came up because I was going to come over to yeah. you." I was worried you were over there on your own. Okay, I'm I'm worried about you being on your own. I I know what you're thinking. Yeah, and, and they were having a quite a frank conversation, and then he he's drugged him because and but again in terms of the plot, it's it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing that a character like Lewis, who is a very logical, methodical man, he would he and that's something they do in the book as well. They talk about he thought thinks through every step of his plan. Yeah, like he'd stay. He spends the night in a motel nearby the um, cemetery, and then he goes in and gets the body of Gage and all that kind of thing. So it, it would make sense that he would take measures to stop the only person who knows about this, Judd. He's the only one who's going to try and stop me. I'm going to put a pay to that already. Yeah, and it makes sense. But it's and and again, what well, what I'm comparing it to is the book and the previous film. The interpretation that we get from this is so much well thought, so much more thought out from a, just the way that the screenplay is written. Mm. And this is, again, I'm not discrediting Stephen King because he's one of the most successful authors in modern history. And he's prob- very, very up there as one of my favourites. But the interpretation that you see here is so much more straightforward mm. than the way that it was sort of explained in the book. Mm. is a lot more drawn out, which suits the book great. Mm. But then in the previous film, they just completely move past it. Yeah. They're just like, ah, fuck it, that doesn't matter. Mm. It does. It does. It really matters because yeah. because Judd is that guy that's trying to is is having that moment because they have that moment in the previous film when they say about he says, "Oh, has anybody ever brought a person back?" Yeah. And then we have the infamous scene where he takes a very long time to knock over these bottles that are next to him, and then in the book as well, it's a really powerful scene. Mm. But in this, we don't need to go into that. We just show Judd having that breakdown after he realised, after yeah. he's been drugged. Yeah. And that's when he has this outpouring of emotion. Yeah. And then says, I need to close my and then passes out. Although I do like the fact they did give a little exposition dump or whatever, where Lewis does his own research. Yeah. 
and you see that he goes back and fight and there has been things written about this before yeah so there was a newspaper article talking about the uh war veteran who came back yeah although i think that they time shifted it so that he was from vietnam rather than world war Two. yeah because this takes place in modern day that's the other yeah. thing um it doesn't really affect the story too much it just no. makes him a bit more contemporary um and relatable yeah um but yeah, so that they it means that he does not everything he knows about it necessarily comes from Judd. Yeah. He has done his own research, which a man like Lewis would do when mm-hmm. you can, when you can type something in on it on a computer and yeah, look course. it up. Um I mean we all do it on an everyday basis, so Yeah. So yeah, that was cool. I thought they were gonna make more out of the kids. You know, the kids with the masks. Yeah. Again, because of the trailers and stuff, the way they led that was I was led to believe that was gonna be more of a thing but yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad it isn't because otherwise it'd be like oh the kids are all possessed by the micmac and that, that would have been too much of a you know silly horror trope i think right children of the corn yeah exactly um although i think they did use the mask very effectively when they came to ellie confronting judd yeah and so she did this thing where she has this mask on this rabbit mask she pulled is it a cat mask okay whatever um pulls it up and then it's it's the face of judd's wife yeah on this little girl's body, which is very fucking weird and creepy. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I can't, yeah. But that was, yeah, that was really effective. And then again, so because that's something they talk about with, you know, previously, where it's like, they, although it's Gage, or Ellie in this case, they can sort of project the person they want to be. So they did this little thing like that with Zelda. Yeah. In the original. Um, and made it look like, oh, Zelda coming at you and all the rest of it. But that the Zelda stuff was done brilliantly, I thought, in this. Yeah. I, oh, Jesus. The dumb waiter. Fucking hell. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, if we if we shift to that bit. So, what you would have seen in the... Well, if, if you listened to this, you would have understood that Zelda is brought up briefly in the previous film to mm. give some sort of credence to... Or characterization to Rachel, yeah. which she doesn't actually have in that film. Um but the main reason that sort of Zelda is brought up, especially in the book, is to address people's phobia of death. Yeah. And it's done in such a frightening way in the book as well. But it's so much more effective in this. Yeah. Because you sort of think it's not somebody that's irrationally blaming themselves for the fact yeah. that their sister died. It's their sister died because of something they did. Yeah. But isn't that so? They they are, in a sense, partial to blame because of something they yeah. did caused it. But because she was a child when it happened, so I'm skirting around it. Basically, they explain that. So in in the book and in the previous film, they explain that Rachel goes in with food, and Zelda chokes, in bed, and then Rachel celebrates this afterwards, and she doesn't know whether she's happy or scared or what, but she's relieved that it's over. And then she's had this long history with fear of death afterwards. And then in this, they use the fact that she sends up the dumbwaiter, which is, for anybody that doesn't know what a dumbwaiter is, it's a lift, but for food, pretty much. Like food and drinks that goes to a different floor so you don't have to worry about taking up the stairs. But they do that, and they explain that she shouldn't be doing it because it's broken. Then they send it up, and they have this really effective scene where you hear Zelda shuffling around in the floor above. (laughs) And then you hear this crashing sound with the dumbwaiter. And then, well, yeah, and then you'll see if you watch the film. But she opens the doors and the food is all there that's smashed up and broken and spilled everywhere. And you go, oh, shit. God, that was a good fake out. And then the whole thing drops and you see the corpse of Zelda on top of it. And then they explain it through there. I think that's more effective because... In the book and in the previous film, they explain its relief that she felt mm. and the overtime that her guilt and grief has build, built to this point where she's afraid of death. But it it doesn't explain so much because she was like, I was laughing and I was crying and I didn't know if I was happy and I didn't know this, but now I'm very much afraid of death. Mm. So it was these diametrically yeah. shifted things with it, whereas this leads so much more into the her phobia of death. Yeah, and then they... they... Because, and then it's like it, it works on a number of levels because on, for a start it makes that 
the guilt that she feels is that much more palpable. It's not just that she prayed for her to die. Like, she feels directly responsible yeah. for something that she did. And it's again, it's a similar thing to they do with Lewis in terms of by him um, drugging Judd. It makes him not a squeaky clean yeah. sort of nice cat because previously they have always been pretty sort of not quite angelic, but do you know what I mean? They were quite nice. Sort of, whereas now that there's a lot of moral grey area for both of them, um, and the other thing it does is that it allows them to have this really effective, um, sort of ongoing phobia that she has about something being in the walls. Yeah. Because Zelda fell down through the dumbway, which is in the walls. Yeah. So it's a very is a rational fear, but it means that they are able really effectively later on in the movie where she feels like that she's like doesn't feel comfortable in his house and feels like there's something in the walls trying to get her. Yeah. But there's, there's a reason for it. There's a, there's a genesis of it. Something very traumatic happened to you to do with something being in a wall yeah. when you were nine years old. So now you're going to start having phobias of thinking there's something in the walls coming to get you. So it all makes sense. There's a lot, there's a logic to everything. It's not just people just being creeped out for the sake of being creeped out. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. And then again, they've, they do the the imagery and some of the stuff they do with the dreams is great. Like there's points where Lewis like walks through a door and then suddenly he's out in the woods. Yeah. And they have like this cool shot of just a doorway in the middle of the woods, which is a very dark tower. Yeah. Um, that's well, yeah. That's literally my point I was going to make is yeah. that seeing that has made me be like, we can make the dark tower work. Yeah. Um, and and similarly, like the the medicine cabinet in the in the kitchen. Oh, in the fuck. sorry, in the um, bathroom, she like opens it up, and then it's the dumb waiter. Yeah, and then uh, they again. I thought there was like a nice little nod, The Shining, where at one point they have blood coming out from underneath it, and it felt very much like the rivers of blood coming out of the elevator yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm still not. So the there's the other thing that we haven't talked about yet. I guess is the the final sort of nail in the coffin, if you like, which is what happens to Lewis. Yeah, because well, you did mention it, but yeah, let's get into it a little more. Okay. Um, so yeah, so basically Ellie kills the mum, Rachel, Rachel drags her into the woods and makes her into a zombie mum as well. Takes her to the burial ground. Takes her to the burial ground for reasons that we've just discussed, which we feel is to make sure that she burns too. Yeah. So they're all going to burn together. And on the same basis, Lewis is fighting Ellie. Yeah. And she's, and they do this like sped up thing of her like thrashing and it was like, she's demonic and you think he's going to get her and then there's the classic horror movie someone creeping up behind you didn't see it coming yeah and then he gets something shoved through his chest and it's Rachel zombie Rachel's come back and she's killed her husband and then off screen they then bury him and bring him back yeah so then what we're left with is a complete family of these undead versions of Rachel Lewis and Ellie yeah I'm still not quite sure how I feel about it (laughs) See, I really, I liked it because I think if you look, it's, it is loosely explained. There's always been somebody to kill what has come back. Mm. But at this point, there isn't anyone anymore. So how does this spread from here? Yeah. And it's, so it was initially Ellie came back and then killed Rachel. And then Rachel killed, I forgot, isn't it, Lewis? Yeah. And then the sort of the final clincher is that Gage is locked in the car. And you hear the beep beep of the car being unlocked. Yeah, and that's like the final, the final scare. Yeah, is oh my god, they're going to get Gage. But I really liked it. I liked it because it was just it totally defied my expectations. Yeah, I think it was quite. I think they could have gone a little bit deeper into the the mythology. Yeah, if I think, they'd have I had think, a little longer of the film. I feel that that's what it needed to me. I needed to know what the the end like are they is that what it is because it feels like towards the end like it's trying to be some sort of zombie film where like they spread out like you said from here and this is how they the Wendigo takes over the world sort of thing by like turning everyone into these undead things and like is that the plan I don't know yeah and that's I yeah I sort of hadn't thought of that until we got back because I was sort of a bit sort of smacked in the face by it Mm. but um it is really interesting. Like, there is the where do we go from here moment. Mm. So, totally seamless. Mm-hmm. No stopping or changing or. Absolutely not. Nope. Nothing. Seamless. So, we yeah. didn't even stop recording. 
Now, as you were saying, so there is the where do we go from here moment. Um, <laughs> I know that. I said it literally three seconds ago. Correct. Um, yeah, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what's the plan. Like Again, so I'd come back to like, why didn't they bring Judd back? Why yeah. does Judd just get to die? Yeah. But they don't. They have to come back. Do you know what I mean? I don't get it. Yeah, no, I don't. That that bit, and that's what makes me feel like that whole ending with them all coming back and being the zombie family is just one of a couple of different endings they thought of. Yeah, and there might be like when we get the DVD comes out, there'll be an alternate ending, which will be different. There might be I don't know. You know. Yeah, because it does. I mean, getting past the shock factor mm. of the bad guy wins. Well, there is a train of thought where you could go. Oh, well, they took Judd, Judd up there. Yeah. Maybe. But what are they going to do with Gage? And then it's sort of, the, where do we go from here? Yeah, it's what, is... what's the goal? What's the, what are they pushing towards? Yeah. If it's just a case of this cycle of vengeance, then I get why, like, Ellie wants to kill her mum because there's, there's some sort of, yeah, she's brought something back with her and she knows she's a bad person and all the rest of it. Yeah. And then Rachel wants to kill Lewis because he brought Ellie back. Yeah. And so there's a and whatever's left of Rachel in there is vengeful because of that. But why would anyone want to hurt Gage? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No. <laughs> Other than we can be a family, but then they clearly made the point of because they're not the same. Mm. When Rachel says after she's been stabbed by Ellie, yeah, stop calling me mummy. Stop calling me mummy. You're not my daughter. I buried my daughter. She died. Yeah. yeah. And then she says you'll see your daughter soon. And you're like, okay, so that's a slight disconnect in there. Yeah. But yeah, it's It's tricky because there are... I mean, by and large, I really, really enjoyed the film. Yeah, me too, yeah. But there are the, the questions that it raises, unlike I'm going to continue to use Us because it's probably... Yeah. I'd probably say it's my favourite film of the year so far. Yeah, okay. The questions that raises are more logistical and logical yeah whereas the questions that this raises is like well why and how and yeah there's a lot of questions in there that have no drive to them it's just everybody's dead they're gonna kill gage now but like you say why why that's that's my biggest issue with the whole thing i think like i said i enjoyed the ride and i enjoyed like everything it kept me guessing performances were great all the rest of it very well directed but I didn't quite get the drive for the way the film ended. Yeah. Um, which is a bit of a niggle yeah. to me. And it always That's will fair. Be, I think. Yeah, it's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, like we said, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. And that, that there are going to be... Like, that has sort of taken the tarnish off it a bit. But at the same time, I still think it's worth a watch. Yeah. If you've... you Well, readers, if... Any of you have read the book, seen the previous films, mm. either one or the other, or done the the audible, um, then go and see this. Yeah, because it does it does really serve a good way to sort of move on from here. Yeah, absolutely, and it is it's like we said we said before, it's in the upper tier of Stephen King adaptations, yeah. definitely, um, and it's a good film in its own right. Yeah, in a way, like separate from the book. Yeah, if you hadn't read the book or hadn't done anything, but and this was your first exposure to it, I think you'd probably really enjoy this film. Yeah, um, because it's very well done. Yeah, so and it's quite clever in the way that it has bucked the narrative. In case you, in case you have seen it before, yeah, or in case you have read it before, there's going to be enough that's different in this. Yeah, and we're prime examples of that. Yeah, um, like there's the scene with the bed in Gage's uh, John's house. Yeah, which was really. Oh, I won't spoil that because that's a good bit. Or a couple of the bits, couple of the bits to do with the cat as well. Actually, they got me. Like when they, when the cat ended up in um, Judd in Gage's crib. Yeah. I was like, get the fuck away from there, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> or like when um, he turns up on Lewis and Rachel's bed. Yeah. And has a with has a dead bird. bird, and the bird's not dead yet. It's still twitching. He's like, ah, fuck. Oh god, <laughs> that's that's horrible. Ah. Like, get out of here, you sticky furry bastard. So like, why is he so sticky? As she's trying, to, and that was fucking nasty as well and they repeat it later on with her so mate it's it's really good it's like it's really good look niggles aside and maybe you know slight logic breakdowns aside it's probably all there we're just uh, we've only seen it once do you know what I mean yeah and you know that's what we do we do pick apart things that are you know 
hair by hair basis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. It's really good. Yeah, I'd really recommend it. Mm. Go out and see it, or, or if you have seen it and then come back, we'd love to know what you think as mm. well. Yeah. So yeah, drop us an email. Call us out on socials if there's yeah. anything that you want to say. Um, we might have a slightly reduced social media presence in the next couple of weeks just because we're desperately, desperately trying to avoid spoilers for Avengers Endgame. No, I'd, um, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> so we may have a slightly reduced. But, um, yeah, still email us. Let us know what you think. Again, socials is The Omcast Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Pod at gmail.com. You can yeah. email us. But, again, next week we've got... We've got a couple of things going on. So at some point we're going to go and see Shazam. Yep. The new DC movie, because despite all the odds, apparently it's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been burnt before, but, you know, whatever. Well, we, yeah, we've all been burnt by DC before. Um, but according to pretty much every source out there, it's good. And they've, they're they very much confident about it, because they've let all the embargoes go down way ahead of, way in advance. Um, unlike the, unlike other, the other movie, which we've got to see next week, which we commented on as we were watching it, is Hellboy, the new Hellboy film Yeah, uh, with David Harbour. Um, and as we were watching, as the trailer came on tonight, I, I said to you, you know what, actually, I haven't seen any reviews for this. No. Which is worrying, because going into, you know, usually there's a couple of weeks leading, so yeah. there were reviews out for Pet Cemetery quite a while ago, because I think yeah. we started doing a couple of the um, the festivals in the oh, States, okay. like South by Southwest, CinemaCon, and stuff. CinemaCon, that kind of thing. So they were already generating buzz for it, and they were allowing embargoes and people to start talking about it. And with Shazam, they've gone even further with that, and they've just let everyone go you know, yeah. praise it as much as you want so that now when the film opens today they're putting out tv spots with all the you know all the critics quotes on there saying how great it is hellboy nothing yeah and to- so that is out next week we know and there's been no reaction whatsoever which is not do you know the last film that i remember this happening to dark tower the predator oh yeah so on that note, we're going to see you next week for Shazam and maybe Hellboy? No, we've got to do it. I really want it to be good. I, I want yeah. it to be good because I fucking love David Harbour. And, yeah, and I fucking love Hellboy. Yeah. So if it's shit, tune in, find out. Cliffhanger episode. Dun, dun, dun.